iTunes, share our website, we can do whatever you want. We're going to put our, your stuff on our social media. And uh, so it's a, a great way to give back to our community. Amen? That's what God is doing. And we're seeing some great work from that. I'm looking forward to even more. And I want to thank all of you who are continuing to, to help with the store. And uh, we can always use some more help, uh, specifically with watching the store different hours. But we truly appreciate your giving and your help to get us going. And we believe that God's going to use us for His glory and His purposes to serve families here in our community. And uh, that's huge. That's huge. This morning, speaking of sharing and, and continuing to give back to our community, last week we started a, a part of the series called Radical Faith. And we've been talking about the book of Ruth specifically, and I forgot to let the kids down that night. <laughs> and they already leave anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so radical faith, and we, this is a radical faith part two. Last week we talked a little bit about the persecution that happened from Emperor Diocletian in the fourth century. We talked about a martyr named Sebastian, who was a, a Roman officer, and he was once he would not bow down to the Roman gods, so he was taken out, and they shot him full of arrows, and we're going to leave him for dead. And a group of Christians came after after his uh, after he was seemingly dead. And saw some signs of life. They nursed him back to, to help. And he went right back for more. And then Emperor Diocletian made sure he was dead this time. And had him beat to death and thrown in the sewer. And we have learned about that from Fox's Book of Martyrs. So there are people that even during that strict persecution. That gave their lives. They laid down their lives for their faith. And they didn't care what was going to happen to them. And then you have others that did bow down to the Roman gods. To keep their lives and keep their livelihood. We see this kind of radical faith in Ruth, in the life of Ruth. We've seen her give up everything that she once knew to serve the God of Naomi. She said, Your God will be my God, your people, my people. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. That's a pretty strong faith. That's a committed faith that says that there's no turning back, no matter what the story turns out to look like. I am not going to turn back on my faith in Jesus Christ. I am not going to turn my, my back on, on my faith in God. And that's the kind of faith that we have, that we need in the church. A no turning back kind of faith that doesn't fold at the first sign of trouble. A faith that no longer make, makes excuses for our lack of commitment. That's what I believe God is calling his church worldwide to do. Not just this church. But to begin to rise up above the situation and circumstances that we all find ourselves in. And say, so, you know what? No more. We are called to a greater purpose than what we're seeing in our churches today. We need to have a faith that says, no turning back. I don't care what happens. I'm going to continue to press forward to do great things for God. And we talked about how Boaz was the bridegroom. He was a bridegroom of, specifically, a group. At this point in the story, he wasn't quite there. But Ruth was taking a step of faith. And Naomi was telling Ruth to take this step of faith. To reach out to Boaz. And we talked about last week how Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ. Why? Because just as Boaz was their redeemer, Jesus Christ is our redeemer. To redeem everything that has been taken from us. And the kinsman redeemer would do exactly that. Everything that was taken from Naomi and Ruth was going to be returned family property and other things. And the Bible calls Jesus Christ our bridegroom. 
and the church is his bride. And we all know, scripturally, that he will someday return for his bride. He will someday return for his church. And how do we prepare ourselves? What do we do in the meantime? What do we need to do? How do we live that radical kind of faith that says, no matter what happens, there is no turning back for me. I am committed fully to God's purposes and plans. See, Ruth took a step of faith and she prepared as a bride, even though she wasn't quite going to be the bride yet. And the first thing she did, and Naomi told her to do this, is to wash herself, to cleanse herself. And what that is, is it's a symbol of being forgiven, of cleansing, of washing all the dirt and the junk off. And it's a symbol of our forgiveness. When we're forgiven, that all the junk, the dirt, the stains in our lives are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. But that forgiveness, that, that all starts with repentance. It's recognizing that we have sinned. It's recognizing that we have sin in our lives and repenting for that sin and saying, God, I want to change. So last week, I gave a call to repentance for the times that we individually and as a church have fallen short. How we've misrepresented God or how we may have represented God in unloving ways. And this week, we look at the second step, the second instruction that Naomi gave to Ruth. So the first was, wash yourself, bathe yourself, get yourself clean before going into Boaz, the bridegroom. And the second thing she tells us is here in Ruth chapter 3, verse 3. Today I'm reading from the English Standard Version. A little bit of a change for you. Change it up a little bit. Verse 3 says, wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. So now she's, the first step was washing. The second step was anoint yourself. The first step of looking at radical faith for us is to be cleansed, to be washed, representing God's forgiveness over our lives, cleaning away the dirty stains of the sin in our lives. But the next step of that radical faith is anointing. Anointing. Now we said, okay, wash yourself first. Now anoint yourself. Now, anointing with oil serves many purposes throughout biblical history. And I am no means going to give you an exhaustive list of all those, but I want to give you some of them because I think it's important to understand the anointing. When we speak of the anointing and the anointing oil, how it's been used throughout biblical history so that we can see how it applies to us today. In the context here, in this particular situation, it was used as a beauty treatment that helped that dry, cracked skin. It was also used to be fragrant and attractive. Something that would be attractive for Boaz to smell. Something that smelled good. Something that would lure him in. It's been used to consecrate or set apart priests, kings, prophets, and even to set aside altars. Where altars have had olive oil, the, the anointing oil, poured over it and pouring down over it. It's been poured over heads and the oil has dripped down the beard. Aaron and his sons were set apart to minister in the tent of meeting. And it was a, they were anointed for a purpose. They were anointed for a work of the Lord. And that's exactly what his church is called to be, to be set apart. The Bible calls us a priesthood of believers. We're set apart and we're called for his purposes. 
We're set apart and called for divine appointments. The Bible calls it divine appointments. And the thing about appointments is you can't go for my appointment and I can't go for you. If you were to try to set an appointment for someone else at a doctor's office and you showed up, you'd be severely disappointed. They keep putting it for you. They're, they're appointments with someone else. You see, God has set divine appointments for every one of us. There are people that you're connected to, and some of us in this room are not. There are people that God has placed in your life. It's a divine appointment. God has called you to set you apart, to be able to speak to those people, to be able to take those divine appointments as God opens up the doors to speak God's truth and his love to those around you. Divine appointments. I can make an appointment for Larry and show up for him, but it's not going to tell me how Larry's doing. Another way that anointing oil was used is, is used as a welcoming into your home. To welcome people. When Jesus went to the religious man's home, one of the things he said is, when I entered into your home, I entered into your house, you did not anoint my head with oil. So this was a way to welcome someone. This religious man did not do that for Jesus. It's also used as a sign of honor or to prepare someone for burial. You see, in that same story, this religious leader did not anoint him or did not anoint his honored guest. But there's a woman who came in and anointed Jesus' feet and began to wipe that anointing oil off of her hair and the tears fell on her feet. So though the religious person did not honor Jesus, this woman did and she wiped it off with her hair. The same side of great honor. We also know that the anointing oil is used for prayer. James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them lay hands. And anoint him with oil. In the name of the Lord. Anoint him. Use that anointing oil as a sign and symbol of the work and power of the Holy Spirit in your life as we pray over you and believe for that healing. And we also know all throughout Scripture that the anointing oil is used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. A symbol of the Holy Spirit. You see, leaders, prophets, kings were anointed. They had the oil poured over them. Because the Holy Spirit was, was supposed to be the one that was directing them in their duties. And in all of these purposes, we see, just for a moment, we get a glimpse of how the Holy Spirit works in each one of us. It makes us fragrant. It makes us overflowing to the world around us. They see God's Spirit in us. It makes us attractive in some ways. Because of the way that we live out our faith. We see that the Holy Spirit sets us apart for His purposes. And we become honoring. We honor other people. And the way that we honor other people impacts the lives of others. The Holy Spirit prepares us to die to ourselves and to live for Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability and the power to pray for healing and to believe for healing when we pray. The Holy Spirit is given to us for a mission, power, for witness. 
be a witness for what Jesus Christ has done in you. So if we want to live a radical faith, the first thing we do is we repent of the ways that we've fallen short. But the second thing we do is we, we, we seek after and work toward the work of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. This is Peter speaking to the crowd. When they said, Peter, what do we do? This is after the Pentecost and the, and the Holy Spirit already fell down upon the group. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, one of you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's that first step that we just talked about. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We also see this at the baptism of Jesus. When he goes down and John the Baptist brings him back up, what happens? The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. Then he is led into the desert to be tempted. And this prepares Jesus for his next phase of ministry. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit, and he comes out of the desert, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and ready to get to work. And what's one of his first things that he does? He walks into a temple and reads this passage from Isaiah to all those that are gathered there. I want to read it from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. Notice the words in the first verse that we're talking about today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Mm -hmm. Because Hallelujah. He has anointed me. Amen. Amen. Because He has set me apart. Because He has filled me with the Holy Spirit. Because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Amen. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up that scroll and he handed it back to the attendant. And as everyone sat there, he said, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. It's been fulfilled in me. So Jesus Christ was anointed. He was filled with the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And so are we. We're filled with this Holy Spirit for a purpose. To bring good news to the poor. That's why we're doing some of the things that we're doing with the Hope Restored Store. To be able to give back to our community, to those that are in need. To help those that are poor. We're giving good news. The good news is, if you're struggling right now, we're here to help. We're part of this community. We love you. And we want to give back. The Spirit of the Lord has filled us not just to proclaim good news to the poor, but to proclaim liberty to those that are captive. Whether it be captive to sin, captive to shame, captive to disease or sickness. Recover the sight of the blind and set the oppressed free. Recover the sight of the blind. We believe miracles. And we believe in healing. I believe today that we can pray for people that have blind eyes and they can be healed. But there's also a spiritual reality too because many people have blinders on spiritually that we need to pray over and believe that those blinders will come down. And they wouldn't be blinded by the things in the world anymore. But the truth of God's word that sat down free. And who are the oppressed? Those are the ones that people continue to push down.
that's why you think the commission is oppressed. I think it's something you need to think. We have been called to set the oppressed free. Amen. Amen. But here we have Jesus with all the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. And what does he tell his disciples after he goes to wait here? Don't go out and do anything yet. The Holy Spirit needs to fall on you before you do anything. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit working in them to be able to accomplish the mission that God has called them to. And so do we. And maybe even more so now than they did. And this is exactly what we see in Acts chapter 2. We see the Holy Spirit falling down on a group of people gathered together in prayer, singing praises to God. And God's presence came like a mighty rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit descended upon the people that were gathered there in that place. That's why we gather together. Because we believe that there's power when we gather together and we pray. And the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak in tongues. And they began to praise the Lord. And all those around them began to hear them speaking in tongues in their own languages. Because they were from all different countries. And the Holy Spirit, when it fell upon that day, when it fell upon that day, gave them boldness to preach. You see, Peter right away stands up and begins to preach. It gave them the boldness to teach. It gave them the boldness to heal. It gave them the boldness to pray and to pray bold prayers. The Holy Spirit became the X factor. The Holy Spirit became the difference maker in their lives. They were not just to trug along in their own strength and try to make this thing happen. And neither are we. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own physical abilities. No matter how strong you are, how far you can run, or how much you can lift, you can't do this in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, giving you the strength and the discernment and the power to move forward. No turning back. John Piper provides the following uh, helpful illustration about how the Holy Spirit came and what it looked like before Pentecost and then after Pentecost. He says, picture a huge dam for hydroelectric power under construction. Like the Aswan, uh, Aswan High Dam on the Nile. It's 375 feet high, 11,000 feet across. Egypt's president, Nasser, announced the plan to construct this thing in 1953. It was completed in 1970. And they dedicated it in 1971. There's a big dedication ceremony. These 12 turb turbines, with their 10 billion kilowatt hour capacity, were unleashed with enough power to light every city in Egypt. Now, during the long period of the reconstruction, or actually of constructing this thing, the Nile River wasn't completely stopped. Even as the reservoir was filling up, part of the river was allowed to flow past. Why? Because the people downstream depended on the water that was coming through. They drank it, they watched in it, they watered their crops, they turned their mill wheels with the water, they sailed on it in the moonlight, wrote songs about it. It was their life. The river was their life. But on the day that this reservoir poured through the turbine power, there was turbine power that was unleashed beyond just a few people that that river blessed. And it brought possibilities that only they could dream of. See, Pentecost is like the dedicatory, the 
Open it. I'll just ask one idea. Before Pentecost, the river of God's Spirit blessed the people of Israel. It was their very life. They needed it. It was a life source. But after Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit spread to the whole world, not just a group of people. None of the benefits enjoyed in pre Pentecostal days were taken away. But 10 billion kilowatts were added to enable the truth to take the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ to every tribe, tongue, and nation. See, the Holy Spirit wasn't something that suddenly happened out of nowhere in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit continued to be throughout every book of the Old Testament, right through to the New. And as became the fulfillment of a prophecy by Joel that said that the Holy Spirit would come down in the last days and fill his people. Both Jew and Gentile and Greek. Male and female, slave or free. When the Holy Spirit came, it brought this huge avalanche of God. Not so it just blessed one people, but so that it blessed the world. Now, my great professor in college, his name was Scott Aitman. I think he's at Morgan now. He would always say over and over and over again when you're looking at a passage, context is king. Context is king. In this context, I want to return back to the story for just a moment. The oil was used as a fragrance. Paul also speaks of fragrance in the second letter to the Corinthians. He says it here in chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. He says, for we are the aroma of Christ. We say that together. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, fragrance from life to life. You see, living a radical faith means living in the power and work of the Holy Spirit it's meant to draw people to Christ. It's meant to attract people to Christ. The fragrance that comes off of you. I'm not talking about the other cologne. But the fragrance of the Holy Spirit coming off of you. It's a good scent. It's attractive. It pulls people in. To some it is attractive. To some it is life-giving. To others, though, it says that it meant death. Why? Because it caused them to see their sin and they became enemies of Christ. In the gospel. They had nothing to do with anything that was going to come against the sin in their lives. And when you read the book of Acts, you see how the Holy Spirit both offended some and others accepted it and received it. The gospel brought out both the best and the worst in those who heard it. Some received it, others rejected it. And this morning, as the Church of Christ, we prepare for the bridegroom by first of all repenting of the areas that we've fallen short both personally and as a church, and then anointing ourselves with oil, anointing ourselves with the power and work of the Holy Spirit in us, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength, proclaiming freedom to the captive, good news to the poor, giving back sight to the blind, both those who are blind physically and spiritually. And I want to encourage you on this Pentecost Sunday, this morning, 
And you may need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe you've been going in your own strength from day to day. You can be filled with fresh, overflowing with God's Holy Spirit. You need to sense the Holy Spirit working in and through you. You need a breakthrough, like we said this morning. You need that breakthrough in your life. You need a radical faith that stands the test of time. My encouragement to you on this Pentecost Sunday is to ask God for that fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible says that he'll give it to you. He will not withhold any good gift from his children. If you ask for food, he's not going to give you a snake. He loves you. He wants you working in, in, the, in his power and in, in his strength and not your own. Ask for that fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit today. If you feel yourself running ragged, if you feel yourself going in your own strength and abilities, my encouragement to you is to say, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. Don't move on. It doesn't take Pastor John pressing on your forehead trying to pay you. You do not do It doesn't take with me telling you what to say and trying to force you to speak. God's stronger than that. Jesus Christ is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. That's all it takes is you asking him and being If you have never sensed the Holy Spirit, or if you've never been filled, what's stopping you from asking today? What's stopping you from asking? See, at Pentecost, people were filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues. God may work in that way with you today. You have to be willing. God may work in other ways. And you sense his Holy Spirit strongly, even if you don't speak to him, you sense his presence. Maybe he speaks to you something that you know with your own thoughts. Or you may be here this morning and you want to be a part of a movement that's bigger than you. You want to see God use you to proclaim freedom to the captives. But you're currently held captive by sin in your life. You can't proclaim what you haven't experienced. You can be set free today from the change of sin. You can be forgiven and have a new lease on life. You can take a step today to ask Jesus Christ to be a part of your life. This morning I'm going to ask you just to pray with me if that's you. Maybe you've walked away from Christ for a while. Now it's time to return. It's time to come back home. Every head bowed, every eye closed, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room. If you're saying, I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ today, I want Him to fill me with more of His Spirit. I want to experience His forgiveness and His grace and His love for me. I simply want you to say this prayer. You can say it in your heart, you can whisper it, you can say it out loud if you like. Lord, I need to experience your freedom today. I need to experience your grace. Your love for me. Thank you for loving me and giving your life on a cross so I no longer have to live in captivity, blinded by my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I believe you rose again. Forgive my sins. Today, I place my life into your hands. Make me you right now and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. said that prayer today, I want to encourage you to download this free app called the new version.
you'll find in it some different devotionals and different things to read. If you search for this, first steps in your dreams, and I'll give you some first steps in your life to continue to grow your faith beyond today. The rest of us, I want you to know that if you're really sensing God speaking to your heart this morning, and you sense that you need a fresh form of the Holy Spirit, this all is going to be open. It doesn't have to happen at this time. It can happen at all. You just choose to bring your mind and you focus there. But I want you to know the altars are open. If you want to come forward, and you want to say, Lord, just fill me with more of you today. I need you more. More than yesterday. I need you more. And what your words can say. I need you more than ever. And after service, I'm going to ask you if you want to talk, that's okay. Just please go up in the hallway or outside and do that. Because there's going to be someone here this morning that says, I just want to spend some alone time with God at this altar. I want to respect that and give them the time they need to do that. I'm going to read this morning Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. It says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's time to live a radical faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where you have fallen short and repent. Ask and seek the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit today and proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, recover the sight of the mind, and set the oppressed free. Amen. God bless you.
That's a scary thought. What's up, bro? There goes the battle, brother. It's all good. As good as can be expected. <laughs> and the craziness of this crazy world. Are you ready for a busy week? I am. I am. Awesome. I am. I am. I've been your jack to good use. Yeah, that's a big one. That thing can do pretty much. If that can't do it... I'm a little nervous, but I'm, yeah, I'm creak creak. And then the, a couple days, I creak creak. I'm taking about a half an inch out. If I get another half creak, I'm kind of good. Because everything is everything's plastered and boarded in. So a half inch. What I'm raising doesn't have any of it, but it's anyway. You'll see. Especially ahead. We had us. We had raised an area in my house. And um, somehow it was over by that second light, but over, and over here above on the second floor of my daughter's bathroom. After about a month, a crack like this, it ripped through her wallpaper. You're looking like going, what the? How the? But these things are tied together. The, well, the thing is, it's all horsehair plastic. Right? So it's really all concrete right there. So it's like one concrete block. That's why data doesn't flow through it. Because it's going through concrete with wire. Yep. Yep. All right. So we're good to go starting Thursday. Do we need a dumpster for me? Cindy's been talking to Katrina Cindy gets off the phone she goes, Oh my god, I don't know how they are. We just the whole family's been Ten years. Ago. 
And it helps their guilt by blaming Because then they're a goal. I know. It's just, it's there's unreal. no place he can stay in Boston. Like, no, there's no more. They don't want to let him stay. He has friends he can stay with. They have a lot of them. They're in the control for them. Oh, yeah. Tell me how that works out. Of course you Vouch, because I, yeah, that's how that goes. Finding ways, like oases or something, where you can get a real disengagement from the anniversary. Is it? So we're going to Chatham Bars in for one night. It'll be the first night we've been away. Yeah, and and we can only go one night. Right. Yeah, it's not even enough time to, like, to even realize that you're. This isn't even a vacation. No. This is more stressful. Yeah, I didn't say that to her. You know. I know. I know. Yeah, Cindy and I went to Boston on Valentine's for one night. We got to get a break. 